we can take advantage of both. And as long as I'm the pastor here, we'll continue to do that, <laughs> to try to blend the, the music, the new and the old. So uh, this is not going to happen, but uh, if I were to give each person here $1,000, well, it's not going to happen. I'll be really generous. If I gave each person here $100,000, what would you do with that money to make it safe and secure? You could hide it, put it under your mattress, but what might happen? House could burn down, somebody could come in and steal it. And, and take it. So hiding it doesn't really work very well. You could put it in the, in, in the bank. But uh, you, know, you put it in the bank, and even savings accounts these days doesn't, uh, you know, they, they don't pay a whole lot. In fact, I, I was checking with a few banks down in Fremont, Ohio the other day, and, and they have an interest-bearing checking account. And I think if you have a thousand or five thousand dollars in there, whatever, they pay a whopping point zero five percent. That's not five percent. That's point, not point five percent. It's point zero five percent. And if you put it in a CD, then you might be able to get up to, you know, two percent. I think in some of the CDs that they have. So. And inflation, I think it's around 3%. So if you put it in the bank, eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to disappear. You can put it in the stock market. And if you put it in the stock market, uh, there is a lot of uncertainty that's there. If you talk to any financial planner uh, or financial expert, they'll tell you, well, the stock market has always gone up over the long haul. Well, that's true, but anybody ever hear of 1929 and what happened then? That's when it crashed. And the other thing is, we have never in the history of this country had a $20 trillion debt either. So I don't think that's, that's very secure. You could, buy, you could buy land, couldn't you? Invest in real estate with that money. Well, what can real estate do? Real estate can go up, but what do they say? Anything that can go up can also go down. A lot of people are upside down in the houses. They owe more than what their, their houses are, are worth. The fact of the matter is that, uh, you know, when it comes to, to money, nothing in this world today uh, can keep it absolutely secure. But uh, I am so thankful. I thank God that... Uh, we can have security in him and uh, we can depend on him i love the line in that song because he lives i know who holds the future you know love the uncertain days but we know who holds the future and we can hang on to that wonderful fact and in god's word god has shown us how to how to be sure uh to get the most out of life down here and also to be prepared when the time comes for this life to come to an end. In fact, the Word of God promises us that we can have what the Scriptures call eternal life. 
And we can have that right now. We don't have to wait till we die to get eternal life. We get eternal life the moment that we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. But I'm afraid that, that most people have the idea that uh, you can't really know for sure where you're going to spend eternity until after this life is over with. They, they just don't have a, have a real grasp upon the Scriptures. But we find the Bible speaks to us about the, this wonderful gift of eternal life. And, and tonight I'd like to look at what I've called our eternal lifeline. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 10, Gospel of John chapter 10, and start reading with me in verse 22. We're not going to cover all this, but we'll read it to set the context. It says, Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, if you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. What we have here is a, a seven-stranded lifeline. Back in, in Ecclesiastes, it said that a, a, a three-stranded cord cannot be easily broken. Well, this is a seven-stranded cord, which is our eternal lifeline, and it cannot be broken. That, that's how we can have this wonderful security in the Lord Jesus Christ. Strand number one, we see that Jesus calls those who believe in him his sheep. Now, he's talking to the Pharisees here, and he says, you're not my sheep. Uh, you're, you're not believing in me. You, you don't believe what I say. Uh, you don't believe the works and the miracles that I do. You don't believe I'm from the Father. And you don't do that because you're not of my sheep. But then he said, there are those that are my sheep. And what a wonderful thing it is if we know Christ as Savior to say, I'm his sheep. I belong to him. The, the, the psalmist delighted in that. Back in Psalm 23, when he said, the Lord is, and what's the next word? My shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Everybody needs to belong. That's the reason you have things like clubs and, and, and fraternities and, and even, quite honestly, gangs. You know, the, the gangs have all their, their bad side to them. Why do, people, why do people get involved with them? Well, they, they want to belong. They want to have a... A connection. Well, a good news for you tonight. You don't have to join a gang. We, we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, and we, we belong to him. And we are his sheep. In John chapter 10 here in verses 15 and 16, it says, The Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, 
them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. You know who Christ is talking about there? He's talking about us. He's talking about the Gentiles being, being part of his, his one flock along with the Jews, and he said that we become part of his flock and become one of his sheep because he lays down his life for the sheep. And eventually he does that, lays down his life for us. And what a great thing it is, is to have Jesus call those who believe in him his sheep. We belong to him. And uh, when, when a sheep strays, the shepherd doesn't cast him out or kill him. When a sheep strays, what's the shepherd do? The shepherd goes looking for him. The shepherd goes after that sheep that strayed away from the rest of the flock. He seeks him, and he restores him. Sometimes he might use his rod or his staff to rescue him, maybe even give him a little swat to discipline him, but he doesn't use the sling. When David was a shepherd and he used his sling, what did he use that on? He used it on bears and lions and, and giants, but he didn't use the sling on, on, on sheep. He used the rod and the staff. In fact, he he recognized the Lord worked with him that way. And what's he tell us in Psalm 23? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They, they can be used to protect us and also, if necessary, used to rescue us and, and, and chasten us in certain situations. So... It, it's the same with the good shepherd. When we stray from him, he may chasten us, but he strives to restore us to, to fellowship, and he doesn't cast us out and take away our eternal life. So strand number one, Jesus calls those who believe in him his sheep. He's our shepherd. We're his sheep. And we don't stop being his sheep. Strand number two, Jesus guarantees that his sheep will follow him. He doesn't just say here, his sheep should follow him. Now, as his sheep, should we follow him? Should sheep follow the shepherd? But he makes it even stronger than that. He says, my sheep will follow me. That's what he says right here. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and, and I know them. There's that connection there, and, and we know him. And he says, my sheep follow me. You know, if a person is a, a genuine believer, they truly come to know Christ as Savior, they are going to follow him. Now, as sheep following him, we may stumble. We may, we may trip. We may falter. But general, the general course of our life as we know Christ as Savior is we are going to follow Him. There may be even times that we stray. And He comes after us. But uh, no, no sheep ever permanently forsakes the shepherd. Why not? Because the shepherd won't let that happen. If we wander away from Him, what's going to happen? The shepherd comes after us. We're His sheep. And generally, we follow him. And it's not through our own power that we follow him. It is through God's power. Over in First Peter, it says that we are kept 
by the power of God, not kept by our own power. We don't follow because we're smarter than everybody else. We, we don't follow the Lord because we, we have the strength to do that on our own. But the shepherd keeps us, keeps us following him, helps us to forsake the ways of the world and break old habits. And, and by the way, there's no exceptions here that are mentioned. The problem with the Pharisees were they weren't believers and they weren't his sheep. And it's amazing the things that, that were done in front of them and, and they still rejected Christ. They still wouldn't believe he was really the Messiah. You know, all they had to do was look at the Old Testament scriptures and see the things that had been fulfilled in, in, in the life of Jesus and they should have recognized him as being the Messiah. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, what's it tell us about the birthplace of the Messiah? It was going to be in Bethlehem. Guess where Jesus was born? He was born in Bethlehem. And we could go on and on. He, the miracles and things he did were, were the, his credentials as the Messiah and as the king who had been promised in the Old Testament, but they kept rejecting him because they didn't have a believing heart. But if, if we know Christ, if we have that relationship to him, we are going to follow him. We are going to bear fruit, as it tells us in other passages of Scripture. It, we're told in Scripture that, that all who know him are going to bear fruit. Sometimes it may be 30-fold, sometimes 60-fold, some 100-fold, but everybody that's a true believer is going to bear some fruit of the Lord. It's just going to happen. He doesn't just say, my sheep should follow me. He says, my sheep will follow me. And to be honest with you, if you're here tonight and you say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not following Jesus, there's something desperately wrong there. I, I've actually come across a few people as well, yeah, I've, I trusted Christ as my Savior. and No, I'm not living for Him, and I don't have any plans to live for Him, and I don't really care about the fact that I'm not living for Him. You know what? That person probably had never really come into a saving relationship with Christ. If a person doesn't care at all about following Christ, following him as their shepherd, they probably are not really one of his sheep. And we can wander away, but when we do that, we are chastened, we are convicted. In Hebrews, it tells us that whom the Lord loves, he what? He chastens. Just like a father chastens his children because he wants to keep them on the right path, protect them from things that are going to hurt them, and help them move, keep moving in the right direction. Well, our loving Heavenly Father certainly does that for us. So strand number two, Jesus guarantees that his sheep will follow him. Strand number three, Jesus gives to his own, what kind of life? Eternal life. That's what he says. I give to them eternal life. Is that temporary life? That is ongoing, everlasting, never-ending life that he gives to us when we know him as our Savior. Uh, what, what, what a great blessing that is. And it, this eternal life begins when? begins the moment we trust Christ. What's the promise of John 3, 16? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever 
believes in him will not perish but have everlasting eternal life when do we get that we get that the moment that we put our trust in Christ as our Savior we're given this wonderful wonderful gift of eternal life and uh, it's life that that never ends and it's it's more than just existence in John 17 uh, go ahead and flip over a few verses uh, a few chapters of scripture here in John 17 this is Jesus praying in the the garden this is the true Lord's prayer here and it, it tells us Jesus spoke these words starting in verse 1 lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father the hour has come glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh and that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him and this is eternal life you know what eternal life is we're given to it great statement right here in scripture this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What's eternal life? It's having a relationship with God and God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Life is union, connection. Death is separation. If you die physically, what happens? Your soul moves out of your body, right? That soul continues to exist it's just not in the body anymore and that soul goes someplace if we know Christ as Savior where does the soul go goes to be it to, to heaven to be with the Lord if you don't know Christ as Savior where's the soul go goes to a place of torment goes to Hades goes to hell and and in, in hell you're separated from God in, in heaven we're with the Lord right so that's physical death, physical life. The soul's with the body when we're physically alive, separates from the body when we're physically dead. What about spiritual life? Well, we have spiritual life. We have a connection with God. If we're spiritually dead, we don't have that connection with God. In fact, that's the way we're born into this world. In Ephesians 2, it tells us that at one point we were what? We were dead and trespasses and sin. We didn't have a connection with God. But we've been quickened. We've been given life. We've been regenerated. We've been given life and we've been brought into a relationship with God. We have a connection with Him. And the wonderful thing is not only do we just have spiritual life, but we know Christ. How long does that spiritual life last? How long does that connection with, with God last? It lasts forever. It's eternal. And, and you know what? It gets even better because one of these days, it's not just going to be our spirit or our soul that's with the Lord, but what else is God going to do? He's going to raise these, these bodies of ours and, and make them glorified resurrection bodies, and we get to live with the Lord forever and ever and ever in our glorified bodies and be with Him. So He gives to us eternal life. He doesn't give us life and this connection we can have with Him until we sin and then take it away. If He took it away, what kind of life would it be? It, would it be temporary eternal life? 
Well, boy, there's an oxymoron for you. You know, you can't have temporary eternal life. Amen? It's either temporary or it's eternal. And if we know Christ as Savior, what kind of life does he say? He says, I give them eternal life. There's strand number three. He gives us eternal life. Strand number four connects with that, and we see that eternal life is a, a gift from Christ. It's a gift that, that he gives to us. That's what it says here. I give them eternal life. You know, it's, it's a free gift that the Lord gives to us. You know, when you're given a gift, what do you do to earn a gift? Well, if you, if you do something, then it's not a gift, right? It, it, it's wages. And the only wages that we deserve from the Lord is what? Death. Aren't you glad in that verse when it says the wages of sin of death? How's it finish out? But the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a gift. There's nothing you and I can do to earn eternal life. It's given to us as a gift. Why? Because of God's grace. Because of God's grace. There's one thing we're called upon to do, and that's put our faith in Christ. And when we put our faith in Him, we believe in Him. Like we're told in, in John 3, 16, we won't perish, but we'll have what? We'll have everlasting life. And it's a, it's a gift. You, you can't earn a gift, and if somebody gives you a gift and then they, they take it away from you because maybe you don't use it properly or, or, or whatever, then, then it wasn't really a gift. It was kind of a, a conditional thing. But our eternal life is an unconditional gift that's given to us because of God's grace and God's love for us. The only condition that comes into play is that you and I believe. We repent of our sin put our faith in Jesus Christ as our own Lord and Savior. So eternal life is a gift from Jesus Christ. Uh, on top of that, it builds. And, and the, the, the strands just keep weaving together more and more of them to make the, the lifeline even stronger and more secure. In verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life. And then what's it say? And they shall never perish. That sounds a little bit like John 3.16. Whosoever believes in him will not, will not perish. Well, what's that perishing? It's not talking here about annihilation. It's talking about ruination. Basically, eternal ruination. Being separated from God for all of eternity. Eternal life has to do with being connected with God now and for all of eternity. We're told in Scripture that every good and perfect gift comes from where? comes from God, comes from above, comes from Him. You know, there's an awful lot of stuff that's wonderful about this life, isn't there? You enjoy this life. It, it's great. Even unbelievers have an awful lot of things about this life that they, they enjoy. You know, a, a new baby, is that enjoyable or what? Uh, unless the baby's screaming his head off at 3 o'clock in the morning. But, but like Gaither said in that because we because he, he lives, what's that verse say? How sweet to hold 
newborn baby. Do you have to be a believer to experience that? No. Uh, you know, there's things that are enjoyable in this lifetime. But to reject God is to perish. And that's to be cut off from God completely and all the blessings of God. In this life, God sends the rain upon who? The unjust as well as the just. The unbelieving farmer, he benefits from the rain that comes on his crops. Thank God for the rain we got this last week. Huh? Needed desperately. God doesn't just send rain on believers. He sends it upon unbelievers as well. But So, so God's terrific in, in the, the common grace that he shows to man, the blessings he shows out to people. We're told in Romans 2 that, that the grace of God, the goodness of God, is meant to lead us to repentance and to salvation. But you know, a lot of people just take it for granted. Just take it for granted. But I'll tell you what, when this life's over with, those common grace blessings are going to end. Perishing means to be cut off from God, cut off from everything good, all the blessings of life. Our God is, is light, right? Light comes from God. Aren't, aren't you thankful for light? Light's a wonderful thing. Well, for somebody that doesn't know God, what's hell going to be like? It's going to be a place of utter darkness. You ever been in a place of utter darkness? Maybe out in the country where they don't have any street lights and there's no stars out and the moon's not out and the clouds are out and you can hardly see the hand in your, or, or like down in a cave or someplace like that. It's spooky, isn't it? It's not a pleasant experience. Hey, that's what hell is. Hell's also a place of, of everlasting fire. You say, well, how can you have utter darkness and everlasting fire? Those things don't go together in our approach to things. Do you think that's really a problem to God? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not a bit. But we find that Jesus promised to us is that believers shall perish when? If we know him as Savior, when are we going to perish? When will we ever be cut off from him? Never. Never. Not going to happen. Number six. Jesus builds on that. He says, uh, no one can pluck us out of his hand. Why shall we never perish? Because nobody can snatch us out of his hand. Nobody can ever take us away from Jesus. It can't happen. We're in his hand. He keeps us in his hand. I've heard people say, well, we can jump out. Well, no, you can't. No, you can't. Nobody can take us out of his. We can't take ourselves out of his hand. He's holding us. He's holding us secure, keeping us, protecting us, holding us by, by his own power. What a great thing that is. Nobody can pluck us out of his hand. Turn over with me. Keep your finger here in, in John 10 and go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, great, great chapter of Scripture. And it, it ends with a marvelous crescendo here in verses 35 to 39. Well, it starts out in verse 31, says, 
Uh, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered us up for us, how shall he not also freely give us all things? Down in verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord? Nothing and no one. What what's, lies outside the scope of what we read there in Romans 8? Nothing. He, he goes to great lengths to suggest every possibility, and there is absolutely nothing that could separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, and get us out of the hands of Jesus Christ. The insurance company says you're in good hands with all state. Well, guess what? We're in better hands with Jesus. You know, we're in his hands. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, it says we're graven in his hands. We're, we're carved into his hands. In fact, I see that as being a, a picture of the, the nails that went through that. Why those nails go through his hands? It was for me and for you so that we could have the wonderful gift of eternal life. No one can ever pluck us out of his hands. What a, what a tremendous blessing. And the King James, it, uh, it had the word man there. No man shall ever pluck us out of his hands. I'm glad the new King James, they changed that. And it's not just man. Man was in italics. And it's not just human beings that can't take us out of God's hand. Neither can any spirit being. The devil can't get us out of Jesus' hand. Nobody can get us out of Jesus' hand. And if that's not good enough, want one more capstone here. And this, this strand that we're putting together, that Jesus put together. Jesus said, no one can pluck us out of the Father's hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. And no one's able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. God's greater than anybody you can imagine. By the way, Jesus is not here denying his own deity and his equality with God. But he's saying God is greater than anybody you can imagine. God's certainly greater than the devil, isn't he? You know, just in case you weren't aware of this, God and the devil are not equal opposites. Some people picture it that way. How did the devil come into existence? God created him. And he fell. He was in a holy position, but he fell because of pride that was found in him. And God allows him to operate here to accomplish his purposes, and he is ferocious. And he's... he's uh, goes about like a roaring lion seeking what? Whom he may devour. That's kind of scary. But I got good news for you. Around the devil's neck, figuratively speaking, is a huge unbreakable chain. And that chain that goes around his neck runs off of his neck and 
It runs and that unbreakable chain, you know where it's at? It's in the hand of God. The devil can only go as far as God allows, will allow him to go. And he'll never be allowed to go to the place where he can take our salvation away from us. You see, the picture is here, we're in the hand of Jesus. And nobody will ever pluck us out of his hand. And then add to that, we're in the hand of the Father. We're protected above and below and on every side by, by God. And we're secure in him. One other thing that comes into play here is the fact that we are given to Jesus by the Father. Flip over to that 17th chapter again. Believers are, are a love gift from the Father to the Son. And uh, we find that in the, spelled out in the first four verses. It says, I have glorified you in verse 4. I have glorified you on earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had before, before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Drop down to verse 9. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And you go down there in a few other places in the same passage of Scripture, verses 9 through 12 here, it speaks repeatedly about believers being given by the Father to the Son. That's you and me. We've been given by the Father to the Son. And the promise in John 6 is that all who are given to him will come to him and will never be, never be cast out, will never be taken away from him. Great news. If you come to the place in your life where you take Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, you repent of your sin, put yourself on the mercies of God, take Christ to be your Savior, you are given eternal life. You become one of Christ's sheep. You're given by the Father to the Son. You'll never perish. You're given eternal life. You're secure in the hands of Jesus Christ, and, and you're secure in the Father's hand as well. We are secure in Christ. How long? If we know him? Eternally. Eternally. You know, things on this earth you can't really keep safe. Aren't you glad that as we entrust our soul to the Lord, we're kept secure? Would Paul say, I'm persuaded that, that, that you'll keep that which I've committed unto you against that day, day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for the, the gift of eternal life. We, we certainly do not deserve it. We deserve the wages of sin, which is eternal death. But, Father, we thank you for the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help us to appreciate it. Help us to be grateful to you. Help us to follow as, as sheep, follow the shepherd, and stay as close to the shepherd as we can. And, Father, we do pray if there's anybody with us tonight that's never taken Christ to be their Savior, they might do that even this evening and find this wonderful gift of eternal life that can only be had through the Lord Jesus. 
Father, bless us, we pray. Help us to follow you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.